following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Thanks for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have you along here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon. My co-host, uh, Luke Hostable, is on assignment. He's uh, spending uh, some time in Arizona right now uh, working on his uh, videos for his YouTube channel, My Car Story with Lou, and we'll have plenty to talk about when Lou returns. But we've got a special guest in the uh, Car Guys Report studio today, and it's our first special guest on the podcast. So I'm very excited. Our guest is Bill Kubik, of, uh, a longtime friend of mine. And I wanted to preface this with a little bit that Bill and I have known each other for 40 years where uh, we go back to high school. We're pretty much the same age and we might have a couple of uh, inside jokes here and there. <laughs> but I just wanted to welcome you to the uh, program, Bill, and thanks so much for uh, joining us here on the Car Guys Report. Thanks, Mark. It's great to be here and uh, excited to get started. Good, good. Um, the thing that one thing I did want to do at the top of the show here was I've known, like I said, I've known you for a long time, and you were into the collector car uh, scene, I guess you would say, for much longer uh, than I have been. And over the years, we've gone to numerous car shows. Uh, I've ridden in your in your 1958 Buicks for many, many years. And one thing I really wanted to express to you is my appreciation for learning a lot about classic cars and how to drive them, how to maintain them, just what they're all about over the years. Because a lot of people, I think, don't realize that when you get in a car that's 60 years old, the car doesn't break like a modern car. It doesn't have a lot of the safety features of modern cars like seat belts or hazard flashers or things like that, depending on when it was made. And it's just a, a completely different experience. And that's one thing that I've learned a lot about from you over the years is how to drive these cars and how to, you know, make sure that you're driving them safely, but in a fun manner and everything. So I just wanted to thank you for all your insight and, <laughs> and things like that over the years. Well, you're welcome. I, I wish more people would kind of uh, know some of that about driving old cars too, so that when you're in traffic, they don't come and cut you off. They don't tailgate you because as you know, those cars don't have the modern disc brakes and the turbos and things like that. Exactly. Right? I, I even, um, I had a, a, a story um, that I was going to talk about briefly is um, I ran out of uh, gas in my 58 Impala recently. And when I, w uh, luckily I was at the, uh, at an intersection with a stoplight. So I was the first car at the intersection, but there's no hazards on that car. Oh, right. And, and it was on like a 45 mile an hour speed limit. And I was just literally afraid that some idiot was going to rear end me mm -hmm. because people were driving around on both sides of me on the shoulder just to get around me. And I'm like, hey, I'm out of gas, you know, and I had to get out and push my car off to the side of the road. But it was pretty scary for a little while. Yeah. So you really have to wonder sometimes. But we wanted to have you on the program here, uh, Bill, because uh You've got deep experience with 1958 Buicks, and I think it's an underappreciated classic. And uh, no offense meant when I say it's kind of been a maligned classic over the years, yeah. maybe because of styling or, or things like that. But um, I think it's a misunderstood vehicle, and we wanted to talk about that because you have owned them for 40, over 40 years. And maybe just give us a little bit of background as far as, um, you know, like the 58s that you've owned and uh, general information on 
the 1958 Buick. Yeah, sure, I'd, I'd be happy to. Um, I, I think, honestly, the, the 58 Buick in particular is either you love it or you hate it. Um, and I've read a lot of journalist uh, opinions on the car, and they say things like, oh, yeah, the chrome was put on with a trowel, or they, uh, they dipped it into the chrome bath, and then they said, hey, you know what? We still need some more, so let's do it again. <laughs> and uh, We have a friend, actually, uh, Mark knows him, um, who lives out west now, but he always calls it the 58 Buick is an amalgam of outdated ideas. <laughs> That's brutal. Yeah, it is. And, and so uh, those are the people that I think that, that hate it, though. And, and for me, really, if you look at the way the car is designed and the chrome and the flash and the fins, it fits right with all the other cars oh, exactly. of the same era. Yeah. I mean, if you think a 59 Caddy with those ridiculous fins is, is like cool, then there's no way you wouldn't think a 58 Buick is cool. Right. Because it's, it, it, you're exactly right. It has the amount of chrome and the amount of, of wild styling features that cars of that day had. So yeah. it really doesn't uh, look abnormal or anything in, in the realm of, of, of the cars that were out at that time. Um, I know 1958 was a recession year here in the U.S., so that kind of helps make the 58 Buicks even a little more rare because sales uh, in the auto industry were, were quite down at that time. Yeah. Um, what kind of background and, and information can you um, enlighten us with? So, so yeah. So, in, in fact, um, I, I can tell you a little bit about the Buick history. In 1955, Buick was actually third place. Uh, in the industry. Okay. Um, in sales. In sales. Okay. That's yeah. good though. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah. And they sold like 730,000 wow. cars. Yeah. Way, way out of, uh, their normal oh, yeah. spot in the, in the industry. Um, because of that though, they had some problems with fit and finish and they ran out of stuff. Cause they were just cranking them out and they were, and yeah. so they weren't taking their time. So even in, in 56, they went down to 500,000. Okay. In 1957, they went down to 400,000. Wow. And then finally in 1958, they only sold 241,000. Wow. So quite a drop. Yeah. In only a series of three or four years. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I think in 1958, which uh, was, was trying to get, they were trying to get back some of their luster, right? And so they reintroduced the limited model back then. And the Limited actually started in uh, 1936. Um, yes, yeah, correct. Um, and they had that through the 1942 model. And that would be the top of the line. That was the top of yeah. the line. And so what they did is they, they tried to revive that top of the line car to say, you know what, we're, we've, we've got this great car. It's, it's fit and finish is, is a perfect, uh, perfection. Yeah. Um, you know, great materials, nice chrome. Uh, well put together to to maybe bring back some of those older potentially um, buyers that bought it back in the 30s and 40s mm -hmm. to you know maybe get reintroduce back them to the line yeah kind of. and in the hierarchy of GM it was always Cadillac of course being the the top of the line but then Buick was pretty much the second in in line right yeah that's correct yeah and then would it be Oldsmobile after that yeah, and Oldsmobile then and then Pontiac, Pontiac and, and then, then Chevy yeah. as the correct. like every man's car or yep. whatever okay yeah yep. um, yeah because that's an amazing uh, amount of, uh, of, 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 of production reduction from 750,000 down to 200,000. Yeah. I mean, one third the volume. Where, where were the Buicks being built? Uh, which cities? I know Kansas City and Flint were two big plants. Yeah, they're, they're, actually, the, those are the top two Kansas City and Flint, Michigan. They also had uh, Atlanta, Georgia, Arlington, Texas, Wilmington, Delaware, Linden, New Jersey, Southgate, California. Wow. Um, 
Uh, yeah, and and uh, Framingham, or is it Farmingham? I guess it's Framingham. Framingham, yeah. <laughs> and now were were the fifty eights built in all those locations? They they were. Um, they probably the the least um, popular place was Framingham, Massachusetts. Yeah. They only built ten thousand. Wow. Uh, and then Flint, on the other hand, built ninety thousand. Yeah. That was the the biggest by far. Wow, that's almost a third of the production, or mm-hmm. a little more than a third of the yeah. production in the one one location. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, and and I've noticed though too that because I've I've owned four different fifty eights in my life, and, and even between one fifty eight and another, I think based on where it was built, they had different things that were put on it or not put on. Okay. It. Uh, for example, there's a there the hood the headlights are kind of hooded, and kind of above them they have chrome that kind mm-hmm. of goes under there. But one of the cars that I had, it was painted body color. Yeah. And there was no chroming on there at all. Um, which is one of the differences that I noticed because it was made from a different plant. Yeah, that's incredible because we talked earlier, Lou and I, on an earlier episode of the Car Guys Report that uh, we had a a section or a feature on uh, dealers that would get oddball cars with weird combinations. And, and, And one of the reasons for that was at the end, this is the way they used to do it in the 50s and 60s, and I don't think they do it anymore, but the car manufacturers basically have a bunch of stuff they'd have to use up, kind of like you were saying, like we <laughs> yeah. got a bunch of red seats. And he said that, you know, one time, this guy worked at a Ford dealer, and he said one time we got like a green LTD in with red seats. It's like, who would order that? But they just sent it because they had stuff they had to use up. Yeah, and it's kind of like a Christmas car. Yeah, exactly. It's just fascinating that you can get those variations yeah. uh, depending on where the car was built or what time of the year it was in the production run, where it was when it was assembled and things like that. It's just amazing. Yeah. It really is. If you like what you're uh, hearing here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, make sure to tell a friend about the Car Guys Report. It's available online. Check it out at radiomisfits.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Car Guys Podcast. And, of course, you can email us, too. We'd love to get your uh, questions, your comments, and uh, just your general thoughts on the Car Guys Report. Our email is carguysreport at hotmail.com. I'm Mark Vernon uh, with the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Luke Hostable is on assignment in Arizona. Our special guest today is Bill Kubik, and we're talking everything about 1958 Buicks. Uh, one thing that I wanted to touch on, Bill, just so uh, the, the listeners know that, you know, you're not just some crank that walked in off the street here at the uh, Car Guys warehouse. Um, you, obviously, we've talked that you've owned four different 58s over a period of 40 years. You were also a judge at one of the uh, Buick Nationals. How did that go, and what were you looking for with that? So, uh, you're correct. Um, there was a, a Buick National that was held in Rochester, Minnesota. Uh, it's about 10 years ago okay. now, but... Um, and essentially, uh, I was one of the judges for the 57 and 58 class. And so um, I, along with other judges for that class, went to each car and determined whether or not the cars were original. And if they weren't original, we would mark off a certain amount of mm-hmm. points depending on the infraction. Yeah. Um, and it obviously wouldn't be, you know, a caliber of like a Pebble Beach type concourse judging. But, I mean, you guys know people that are in Mark Clubs. Uh, enthusiast clubs know a hell of a lot about their cars. Yeah. And that's obviously why you were in that 57, 58 class, because like I've said before, you know, you're probably the, the most knowledgeable person I know on 1958 yeah, Buick. So, <laughs> well, and, and to be honest, uh, you're, you're right. We, we don't try to kill the car. Yeah. Um, but, but on the other hand, we try to give the owner information about what the car should look like and mm-hmm. what materials and, uh, accessories and everything it should have if they want to make it perfectly correct. Exactly. Or stuff that maybe was added somewhere along the line yeah. that's not correct. Right. Uh, because that's one thing that you and I talk about a lot when we're at car shows is you'll find people that purchase a, a, a classic car, whether it's a Buick or whatever, and will saying like, oh, 
why does it have this on here? And I go, well, that's the way, the way I, it came when I bought it. Okay, but that's not correct. <laughs> it Just because it's on there doesn't mean it belongs there. Right, it doesn't make it right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly. one thing that we see. Like you said, you don't want to kill the car, but I mean, if there's something blatantly that's not right. correct, and it can even get down to things like this is one thing that I know you and I kind of kind of go back and forth on because it bugs both of us is a lot of the interior um, finishes. A lot of times, people will either add more chrome to the dash, or they'll have the the, the metal on the inside of the uh, the interiors. And yes, uh, listeners, the uh, cars of the 50s had metal, not plastic, on the interiors. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of times they'll be painted body color because the mm-hmm. car was, you know, restored at some point. And many times that's not correct. It should be a different shade of, you know, a variation of maybe the body color or something completely different. A lot of times they just go in and, and, and it's the body color and people go like, oh, that looks great, but it's not correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And, and in fact, the, the 58 is a perfect example of that. The upper series cars, the Limited, the Roadmaster, the Super, they had chrome across the front mm-hmm. of the dash. But the lower series, the Special and the Century, were painted not body color. Yeah. They're painted white. Okay. See? And a lot of people wouldn't know that because right. a lot of people, I think we just saw a car uh, recently at a show, a 58 Buick, that had an incorrectly painted dashboard. And you pointed that out right away. Yeah. So, And you just touched on on one thing I definitely wanted to talk about. And it's always amazed me, too is the uh, model range of the 1958 Buick and the differences within the model range. It just blew me away because most people will look at a Buick Special, which is the the bottom end, and a Limited, and they go, well, it's pretty much the same car. But then you say that, you know, it's actually taller, the windshield's taller, and it just, to make that amount of variation within the line and building them and the amount of tooling and everything, it's just, it's, it just wouldn't happen today because it's just unbelievable. But I know that there's the special, the century, the super, the roadmaster and the limited mm-hmm. uh, in that order from, from bottom to top. And then they also had, did they have convertibles in every? They did. Yeah. Each of those had convertibles, um, except the you could not get a super convertible. Okay. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then also they had a wagon, which they called either the estate wagon, which was in the special series, okay. or the Caballero, which was in the century series. Okay. And then obviously within each series, you could get a either a two door or four door. Mm-hmm. And then were all the two doors hard tops? No, they were not. Uh, specials came in a hardtop or sedan, okay. in two or four door hardtop or sedan. Okay. So there's a number. There's like eight models right there. Wow! Right? Wow! <laughs> so and then the wagons and all that kind of stuff. So it really added up quickly. Yeah, it's amazing. Was the Century? I know that a, a long time ago the Century got its name because it could go 100 miles an hour. Is that true? Yeah, and I think uh, people. Some people say that it was also named after the Century. Uh, train right the okay. century limited uh, which was back then high speed rail mm-hmm. was was kind of what they did and that's how they traveled and they named it after that supposedly that's how the super was also named okay it, and obviously the special was the the entry level buick for for 58 is there any such thing as more of like a sport model within the line was that like the century i mean they didn't have like a bigger engine or anything uh, or? well a lot of people call it the, the the sport model and and some people will say that buick was one of the first um, car companies that made a sport model because the Century was the smaller body size, the same as the Special, but it had the uh, higher compression engine that the Upper Series had. Okay. All right, so it was the same size, yeah. but but higher compression was 10 to 1 okay. instead of like 8.5 to 1. Yeah. And so then, therefore, you could have a little bit more 
oomph to it and more power. Could you get that? Do you know if you could get that that model century with a uh, manual transmission then too, or were they all uh, automatics? Because I know that that the specials could come with a with a manual. Yeah, I believe that's true. I I, I can double check my materials here, but they I, I think the the Dynaflow was standard. Uh, I, I'm not really sure. Okay. <laughs> not trying to put you on the yeah, spot. No, no, no. I, I brought my brochure here, too. I can check that out. Because I, was, I would think that if you could get a, a if, it, if they made it, if you could get a Century with a, with a manual transmission, that could be, kind of be almost like a, the most hot-rotted 58 from the factory that you could find. But, and I was also going to ask you, too, that, yeah, other than the, I know the Dynaflow was the automatic that came on the lower model cars, and the Limited had the flight pitch. Yeah, correct. Um, it's, it's kind of another new transmission, new for 58, um, to be even smoother shifting than the, the, the regular Dynaflow engine. In fact, they had another turbine in there. The regular Dynaflow had two, which kind of opened up the veins as the uh, transmission fluid hit it, kind of turning it. Um, and then the veins would open up and close depending on how fast the oil would hit it, which okay. would kind of translate to power. Yeah. So then for the Limited and the Roadmaster, they came standard with the flight pitch Dynaflow, which had three turbines wow. in there to even make it more smooth. Cool. And then did they all have the, the same uh, base engine, even though the compression ratios were different? Yeah, that's correct. And they only offered one engine that year that was a 364 cubic inch okay and then would it could you get it in two and four barrel configuration yeah you or? could yeah. okay mm-hmm. and then they never had like quad uh, like dual dual no. carburetors or no that like wasn't that was never available and is that the engine too and i know i've asked you this over the years i always wondered was that engine the one that was considered the nail head yes yeah that's correct and they call it that because the the valves are straight up and down like nails would be as you pound them in okay and the nail had actually started in 1954 55 uh, as a 264 okay and then they built they boarded out to in 1953 to 56 to 322 cubic inches 57 to 64 was 364 and then uh, 401 was available from 59 to 66. Wow. And then, so it was, it was long for, you know, quite a long time. Was the nailhead considered a, a, an advanced engine at the time, or was it considered something that was kind of a, a holdout from the time past? It was. It was the first V8 engine that Buick offered right after their their straight eights. Oh, really? They okay. had straight eights yep. all the way up through 1953. 53, yeah. Um, for the special series. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, after that, then they went to the V8 uh, and that was their nail head. So okay. that was like their first one. Okay. But it's uh, obviously, you know, that's what people, and you can tell too, because the, the valve covers are pretty, uh, vertical up and down. They're yeah. not on, they're not kind of on an angle like Correct. you would normally see on a V8. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems like it's a good engine. I mean, they're it durable and powerful. And Oh yeah. Uh, I, I've driven all over with my cars. As you know, Mark, we've, we've been to Wisconsin and Minnesota, uh, the car that I have not right now, it's a 58 limited and I drove it to Pennsylvania last summer. Mm-hmm. And it was flawless all the way there. Yeah. I, I replaced one wheel bearing. Okay. <laughs> but that was it. Cool. Yeah. Parking lot uh, repair. Yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah, and I had a spare in the trunk, so I was good to go. We're going to take a quick break here. We'll be right back. This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Litigation dodgeball. <laughs> Cathedral putt-putt. Nazi amusement park. <laughs> Warren G. Harding. Celebrity potpourri with Rick and Mary Lou Henner. And we interview one of the great celebrity rock and roll photographers Mick Rock. All that in unlimited tangents on this week's Minutia Men. The Tony Lasano Podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Radiomisfits.com <laughs> A lot of anchors do that. <clears throat> <clears throat> 
<laughs> yeah, it's a thing. <clears throat> Are you ready? Ah, oh, boy. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. Hi, I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. Let's that was do good. it again. What? That was good. No, we messed it all up. What's wrong? What? How? It was going good, and then it went south. No, it didn't. Well, if that went south, get, see what happens now. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Hi, I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. Back to you on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. I need an agent. And we're back. The best uh, story, uh, one of the best stories I remember was about uh, eight years ago, uh, we went up to the uh, Iola show in Wisconsin, uh, which is a great, if you've never been to that show, it's a, it's a great uh, car show that's held every year. It's, I think there are some like 45 years now at least. And they have a huge car corral with cars for sale, a huge swap meet, and just a car show in general. It's a great way to spend a weekend. And you were having some carburetor issues uh, and you were actually had it down to a, a science where you were literally rebuilding your carburetor or at least cleaning it out in a parking lot, but you were taking it off the engine, disassembling it, cleaning it out and putting it back together in all of like 20 minutes. It was amazing. You're <laughs> yeah. like a pit crew. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was, yeah, and we were back on the road. Yeah, and, no and problems. the rest of the trip, yeah. it was great. Exactly. It, yeah. was, it was hilarious. How about production figures and pricing on the uh, 58 line? So, so yeah, so essentially... Uh, the, the lower ones, like the special, those, the prices were, they started about $2,200, uh, kind of out the door. Um, uh, and that went all the way through the different lines, all the way through the limited and the limited, um, started a list price of about $5,100. Wow. Uh, and that's without any accessories and things like that. Mm-hmm. But it was quite a range of about $3,000 from, from low to high. And didn't the limited, uh, pretty much almost, or Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't it more expensive than a Cadillac? Yeah, it actually was twenty-two. Uh, sorry, thirty-three dollars more wow. than a fifty-eight uh, Cadillac Series sixty-two. Wow! And that's kind of another reason why the limited name didn't stick around. As the Cadillac people said, you know what? You're kind of stepping on our toes here. You're mm-hmm. getting into our territory, so we need you to to back off. I'm a surprised that actually happened within the hierarchy of GM because you would think like, hey, we can't have this, right? You know. Right. That's that's hilarious, but mm-hmm. um, that's one thing I always found very interesting is that you know the Buick uh, Limited actually would cost more than the, <laughs> than a Cadillac yeah. at the time, <laughs> and True. I guess the big question here um, that uh, I'm sure the listeners are wondering about, and we've kind of touched on it briefly, but what is it about 1958 Buicks, either in general or with you personally? I know a little of the history because it's one of the cars that you grew up with, but yeah. w- what has held your interest with 58 Buicks for so long now? I think because it has been in our family almost forever. I mean, I, I remember my dad coming home with it. Uh, well, actually, I don't remember him coming home, but I remember there's a picture that he has. He bought it in 1965 wow. as a used car when our other car broke down. Uh, before that, it was a 51 Buick. Okay. Uh, and so that was in our family from 1965 all the way through my high school years where I actually drove it every day to, mm-hmm. to school um, through 1982. Okay. And throughout, especially when I was driving it, um, it was a lot of fun. I went out with my friends, and it was kind of a, a quirky old car that you know had a lot of miles on it. Mm-hmm. When you tried to roll down the window, it would <laughs> fall into the door. I remember. Um, there, there were some holes in the floorboards that you could get splashed up when it was mm-hmm. raining. Um, so a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of fun things when you're that age. Well, yeah, exactly. You're in high school, yeah. and you, you just want wheels, right? Right, right. Yeah. Um, and then, so I, I was actually without a 58 for maybe three, four years, I think, to about 1987, when actually you 
uh, found one for sale in Downers Grove mm-hmm. and said, hey, Bill, you might want to check this out. And I went there, and this one was a special, which yeah. is the same model that I had in high school. Silver. Um, a silver one. Red yep. and black interior. Red and black yeah, interior. Yeah, great color combination. Yeah, and, and low miles. Yeah. It was 40,000 yeah. miles when we bought it. Yeah, I remember that car was uh, exceptionally clean. Mm-hmm. And at how, 87, did yeah, you say? It was 1987, wow. yeah. Wow, 32 years ago. That's amazing. <laughs> I know. Time flies. <laughs> um, and obviously, you, you've you've kept the interest. I know that yeah. you, have, you you like Cadillacs. I know that you you have interests in Packards, you know, a lot of those, but you've never strayed from the 58 Buick. Yeah. Um, what makes you understand a 58 Buick more than the, the people that, you know, we're talking about the people that, that dislike the car. Uh, what makes you like it so much? Well, one, it's been in my family and with me for almost my entire life. Yeah. But, but, but I guess the thing that I really like about it is it's, it's a well-made car, they really took their time. They really did a lot of special touches to make it flashy, but then also to make it a well-made car and a comfortable car that you can really rely on if it's been maintained and taken care of for years and years of, of carefree mileage. And even um, in this day and age, too, in 2019, because we've talked about this before, too, and we'll be at a car show, and and in particular, I was looking at, I think it was a 56 or 57 uh, Buick, which is very similar mechanically to, to the 58. And the guy had a giant you know, electric fan on there. And he goes, oh, it, it like runs warm all the time. And I, and I asked you about it and go, you've never had any problems no. like that. And you were saying they're modern cars. They were, they were built one, you know, at the time that the interstates were being introduced. Yeah. So they were designing these cars to be driven at 60, 70, 80 miles an hour for extended periods of time. Maybe the gas mileage wasn't all that great and they weren't necessarily that aerodynamic, but mechanically they wouldn't break down or overheat or yeah. anything like that. Yeah, exactly right. They're, they're aerodynamic as a brick. Yeah. Um, but honestly, you know, I mean, I shouldn't say this if there's any police officers listening, but I, I drive that car 75 miles an hour yeah. all the way to Pennsylvania. Yeah. And I still have the drum brakes on it all the way around. And if you have ever driven in Pennsylvania, there's some of the roads that are pretty steep. Yeah. Right. And there's usually a stop sign at the bottom, (laughs) too, of the hill. But I was able to stop. I was able to go. And it it was great. It was fine. No issues at all. And I did just touch uh, maybe a little facetiously on on the gas mileage because everyone looks at your car and goes, well, what kind of gas mileage does that get? But you get do pretty good. You get like 12, 15, 16 on the highway. I was, getting, I was getting 16 last year. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's not bad. Yeah, and, and as you always say or often say, they weren't even trying back no, then. No, exactly. <laughs> they had no cafe standards to, to reach. And <laughs> right. it was gas was what, like 20 cents a gallon or 30 mm-hmm. cents a gallon? So it's just like, yeah, people didn't care. Right, you're and, right. And yeah, and it's amazing. It's amazing to me that a car 60 years old can still do that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's neat. So that's I, th- I think another misconception of not not just a fifty eight Buick, but a lot of the the older cars in general is that you know their gas guzzlers or they're just not mechanically dependable. But you've you've definitely proven everybody wrong with that. Oh yeah, so. and and I guess the other thing too is I as I, like even as a kid when I was driving a car that was twenty five years old or whatever in high school. Just I, I like when when people look at it and they give me thumbs up mm-hmm. and they really enjoy it. They they appreciate those that like them and at least they, they appreciate kind of the, the workmanship and the style that went into it. And, and many people will just say, wow, I wish my car still had some character or mm-hmm. some sta- some style like yours does, because honestly, mine looks just like that one over there. Exactly. Exactly. Do you know, uh, who the main, um, stylist was for the 58? Uh, Harley. Earl. It was Harley. Earl. Yeah. Okay. I was, mm-hmm. I was hoping that it was one of the famous yeah. guys like mm-hmm. that. And he was with GM for many years. Wasn't yeah. He? Yeah. Correct. And, and he retired shortly after, 
58 and Bill Mitchell became okay. the, the main stylist. Then. Cool. Yeah, that's neat. And, um, you know, when I, I have a 58 Impala that I've talked about on the show, and a lot of times when I'm at a car show, people will look at the interior because it's got, it's, it's completely stock on the inside, but it's got copper colored door panels. It's got this tritone weave, uh, upholstery with a little bit of like silver thread in it which, which glistens in the sun outlined by uh, gold vinyl and people will look at that and go is this stock interior or is it custom and i'm like no it's stock that's what they did back then <laughs> yeah. and everything in the car is metal mm-hmm. with screws no clips <laughs> and the cost to do that in 2019 dollars would be astronomical and the same thing with the 58 mm-hmm. buick all the metal all the and it's not just you know sure the interior has some pot metal in it but all the exterior trim and even a lot of the interior trim is stainless steel. Yeah. It's not just chrome. It's right. stainless, yeah. which is just amazing. Yeah. I, I guess the other thing, too, Mark, is is these cars, yours included, has a lot of features that I think are advanced for the time. And, in fact, some of them are today being rediscovered, like a CVT, right, the Continuously mm-hmm. Variable Transmission. That's It's what the very similar is. to a Dynaflow, right. yeah. Right. It has also it's a thing called an autronic eye on the dash that automatically dims your high beams to low beams. And finally now I'm starting to see that like on my other, my current car that has that right now. Yeah. And, and the other things they were bringing out too in 58, not with the Buick, but at least with the Impala, you could get a fuel injected engine Yeah, and a, a classic with the limited, you could get, uh, the airbag suspension, Correct. which was, yeah. Very you, advanced for its time. Yeah, and now it's it's not exactly commonplace, but you see it on a lot of the high end, like Mercedes and and Bentleys and Rolls Royces yeah. and stuff. Right, and and all that stuff is not new, and it was done in a mechanical way yeah, back then too. Exactly. Right, and it was fine. And the one of the coolest things I like about your limited is you have the Wonder Bar radio yeah. too, which is cool. Right. T- t- tell us a little bit of how that works. So so essentially, they call it a Wonder Bar because at the top of the radio face, there's like a big long bar, and you press that button, and it will search to the next station. And you can set it for more or less sensitivity, so it'll find the bigger, larger, closer stations or the ones that are even farther away. And it freaks people out because there's also a floor That's switch. That's what you said, there's a floor switch, right? And that is so cool. I, right, and if I push that, <laughs> it'll go to the next station, and people say, why, how did you do that? <laughs> And that's kind of analogous to like a hands-free operation or a, or a steering wheel yep, control because you're using something other than you're, you know, reaching over, you're using your foot or, you know, right. it's, it's cool. Like you said, kind of a, uh, you know, an advanced feature that people just wouldn't think of. Yep. Yep. And it was available 60, over 60 years 60 ago. 60 years ago now. You're right. That is so cool. What do you think? I know obviously the limited is the top of the line and, and the ones that are getting the biggest bucks on the, on the used market and auctions are the limited convertibles. They go for, you know, 150 oh, yeah. or, or even higher, depending on how well restored and how correctly restored they are. What do you think um, is, other than a limited right now, would be a good choice, either for an entry-level collector or somebody who understands 58 Buicks and wants to get something that's nice. And what would, what would you say would be something that would be, I know the limiteds are rare, but I don't see a heck of a lot of centuries out there at shows and things like that. Yeah. That's, that's a good call because honestly the centuries are, I think more rare because they've got the smaller body size. And a lot of people seem to go more toward the super, which is equivalent almost, but it's on the larger body size. Right. Um, so I would probably go for a century and maybe a convertible if, yeah. if you wanted to do that that kind of thing. They're they're well made cars, um, they're fairly rare, um, but but still have all the kind of upper features that maybe the special does not. Mm-hmm. And the specials, uh, obviously, that had the largest production run. Yeah, correct. 
Um, the the largest production run here, actually, um, I happen to have that. It, they made forty eight thousand four door sedans. Okay, right, and and that's actually what I had when I was uh, a kid, uh, and and that silver one yeah. also was one of those too. They also made thirty four thousand two door Rivieras, and the Riviera is the the postless one, right? The, okay, the, the hard top, um, and thirty one thousand four door Riviera sedans. So so right there, that's uh, 40, 50, 60, 70, 100,000 wow. cars right there just in the special series in those three models wow. alone. So they actually were calling the uh, uh, hardtop versions of the special a Riviera? Um, any model, whether it was a Century, Special, Limited, whatever, they called it Riviera if it was a uh, hardtop. Oh, cool. I did not know that because a lot of times I'll see Roadmasters for sale and they mm-hmm. call them Rivieras. And I always oh. wondered, are they calling that because the Roadmaster was a higher... higher uh, and car right but i didn't know that that you could actually claim your special if it's a hard top was as a riviera. a riviera that's cool right no and it's it's different than the riviera that they came out with in the early 60s yeah oh of course um but but yeah that's that's what they call a great it. name though just a, oh yeah a classic name yeah um what what's the significance of the roadmaster 75 that the number 75 so that actually came from 1957 where they had two models of the roadmaster they had a roadmaster and then a Roadmaster 75, which is a little bit different trim. Okay. Uh, basically the same car, just a little bit more uh, flash. Okay. And and in 58, could you get either or? No. In 58, they dropped the Roadmaster and left only the Roadmaster 75. Okay. So it was only the 75. Cool. That's great. You are listening to the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon. Our special guest today is Bill Kubik. We're talking about 1958 Buicks, having a lot of fun with this. And if you like what you're hearing on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, then be sure to check out some of the other programs on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, like Free Kicks. If you are a soccer fan, Rick Kempfer and Adam Howarth, he is the Director of Coaching for the Illinois Youth Soccer Association. Uh, Adam and Rick discuss uh, everything uh, to do with soccer. They uh, give you all the latest international, national, and local soccer news. It's called Free Kicks. It's an OPI show, and it's only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place, radiomisfits.com. And you are listening to the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Certainly glad to uh, have you along for the ride, and hopefully you're uh, learning uh, some things that you never learned about the 1958 Buick or maybe late 50s cars in general. I certainly have learned a few things uh, with Bill's knowledge today. And I wanted to ask you uh, one thing, too. the, The current car that you have... Is a 1958 Buick Limited hardtop, but they were all hardtops in the Limited Correct, series, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. And this car came from Utah, so mm-hmm. there was absolutely no rust. The body's incredibly straight on it, which is a, a big thing when you're buying any old car. And just tell us about what you dug up about the original owner on the car, because it's a great story. <laughs> yeah, so so I was able to contact the second owner uh, of the car, and I did some research, and I did a bunch of calling and things like that. And this is pre-internet pretty it much, is, right? Yeah. yeah, so there was a lot of legwork involved. Yeah. And, and he was a guy that was a bartender in Utah, in Price, Utah, if you know where that is. It's kind of on the eastern side of the state. Anyway, he told me the story that he bought it from a, a well-to-do couple. Um, it was John and Lillian. Uh, and they bought the car because they liked to gamble. And <laughs> they liked to go to Las Vegas, which wasn't that far from Utah. And they wanted to arrive in style. Wow. So they went to the dealership and they bought the top of the line. They got a gold color car because it's gold. They got all the options that you could. And they drove it back and forth to 
Las Vegas. And, and to me, that's a, an, an incredible image because I can just see these people arriving in a big, long car. With dressed air to the hill. Yeah, dressed to the hill. Yeah. Air conditioning, power steering, power brakes, power windows, Autronic Eye, Wonder Bar Radio, Pulling airbag up to the suspension. Desert Sands or whatever those yeah. classic hotels were, the Rat Pass. Yeah, and all right. That. Yeah. See Frank Sinatra <laughs> yeah. and the Sands or the Flamingo <laughs> yeah. or something like that and just... Just a, it's a great image, right? It is, it is, and and for some reason I always think that Diamond Lil would have blue hair. I don't know why. Oh, yeah, but. yeah. yeah well, actually, I didn't say that because they, when the people in the town would see her driving by, they'd say, "There it goes, there it goes, there goes Diamond Lil." That's oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That is such a cool story, and that's true, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. It really is. Yeah. Um, other than obviously the car that you own now, the the fifty eight Limited. What are what would be your one of one or two other favorite fifty eight Buicks personally that you? that you uh, would like to have? I actually would like to take my own advice and maybe get a Century convertible. Cool. Right? I think that would be cool. Um, I, I've never owned a convertible. I've, I've owned uh, actually all four doors. Yeah. yeah. I know you're kind of a four-door guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, it just kind of worked out that yeah. way. Um, I think it might be kind of cool also to have like a wagon, like a, a Caballero, Caballero wagon. Yeah. And those are rare too, they, right? No, very rare, yeah. rare. I mean, we saw that in the, the Lyle Buick uh, meet back in 1985. Yeah. Going to that? Yeah. yeah. And there was one there for sale. Uh, I wish I, I wish I would have bought it because I think it was like two hundred dollars and it had air conditioning <laughs> in it and, and all that you know kind of good good accessories. Speaking of pricing, what would be uh, a range of pricing in your estimation for a '58 Buick? I mean, can you still get one for five thousand dollars? Five to ten, probably. Yeah. yeah, if it's in decent shape, um, they they have a lot of support for parts and things like mm -hmm. that. So uh, even if it needs brakes, uh, mechanical things, uh, carburetors, generators, starters, there, there's places you can get all that stuff. So, so I would say that would be a good range. Mm -hmm. Any, anything lower than that is, is more baskety. Right? Yeah. And they can be expensive cars to restore too, because the, so there's so much chrome trim Correct. or chrome on there. Then there's so much stainless. Mm -hmm. And I know that you spend a lot of time uh, making sure that your stainless steel is always straight and ding free and stuff. And that can just take a lot of labor to get to straighten that stuff out and clean it up. As, yeah. That's, that's actually my, my winter projects. Typically I'll take therapy. off some, yeah, I'll, I'll take off some stainless and go to my buffing wheel in the basement and dank, you know, dink yeah. out some dings and yeah. polish it up. So. Yeah. But even, uh, to get a, uh, all the chrome work done on a car like a limited you'd be talking at least 10 grand 10 oh, yeah. to maybe even 15 if yeah. you were to do everything on it yeah. and do it do it show quality and, and the pieces are big right yeah. the front bumper is huge oh, the back is. bumpers are yeah. big um there, there's a lot there yeah there is uh but mechanically like you said there's really nothing exotic about that and uh, i think the interiors could be a little bit of a question mark as far as restoration just like some of the the trim pieces inside maybe if it needs yeah, it or if you're missing trim that's that's a a bad thing yeah that's a, a warning sign but the materials are there there's a place in oregon that gets them the sms auto fabrics mm -hmm. uh, they also now do heat sealing of the vinyl so you can kind of replicate the the different lines that are in the vinyl oh, on the cool. door panels and things like yeah. that um, so that's available again uh, carpet sets are available um and so th that's not really the, the issue it's more of the um the trim pieces that are missing. Like yeah. if I was missing the limited sign on my, my back door, that would be a big problem. Really? Okay. Yeah. The, uh, the, uh, it's like a, a Centurion or something yeah, with the Chevrons underneath it. And it actually is like a cursive uh, word that says limited. Yeah. And, and those are like hen's teeth. Oh, they, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, <tanium. laughs> yeah, right. Um, yep. how about glass, uh, glass, like windshields and rear windows you, and you stuff? You can sometimes get those too, but they're very expensive. Yeah. 500,000 or sorry, $500 <laughs> to a thousand dollars. Okay. You know, depending yeah. on what it is. Now, luckily I found a parts car myself. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I have a lot of that stuff, yeah. you know, if I ever need it. 
that's always a good thing. You, you bring up a good point that if you are going to endeavor to do a restoration, it's a, it's a good idea to, to probably get a um, parts car mm-hmm. uh, or, or have availability of a parts car. We can go and like pick parts off of that you need because you just never know what you might need. Or that could be like the only good part on the parts car. Yeah, <laughs> and right. you're going to take it off. And, yeah. and, and, and I would it. actually recommend taking as much as you can, including fasteners, wires, sure. clips, all that stuff. You just never know. Yeah, right. And I've gone, I don't know how many times to my, my store in mm-hmm. the basement. And sure enough, there it is. There's the the brake clip that yeah, I needed exactly. or the, the power brake or not the power brake, uh, but you know, whatever it is, it's, it's there in my basement. Well, that's what you and I had done too. 30 years ago, uh, we drove out to Utah and we actually parted out a, a was it a special? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we rented a station wagon yeah. and took as much stuff off of it as possible and drove it back. I mean, yeah. it was hilarious, yeah. but including the T3 headlights, yeah. too, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who would have thought those are rare, but they're hard <laughs> to find now, right? Yeah, right. What would, what, you know, you've seen so many uh, 58 Buicks over the years. What would be the best one that you think you've ever seen? <laughs> and that's a kind of an inside yeah, joke right. because a lot of times Bill and I are at car shows and, and you'll have some guy on the microphone and cars, sometimes at car shows when, when people drive in, they go, oh, here comes a 1949 Packard. And, and one time we were at a show and the guy making the announcements, oh, here's another 58 Buick. Wow, that red, oh, that's the best I've ever seen. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> been a standing joke with us for many years, but obviously you've seen a lot. What, what are one or two standouts that you remember? Other than like we saw the the Wells Fargo Buick, and that was uh, that was a TV show. Yeah, um, Dale Robertson was a cowboy actor back in the fifties, and they sponsored a TV show called The Tales of Wells Fargo, and Dale Robertson was the star. And so what they did is they took a limited convertible because Buick was the sponsor, mm-hmm. and they replaced some of the the hash marks on the side rear fender with kind of a almost looked like a, a piece of wood on there with a nice grain on there, mm-hmm. almost like a station wagon. They also put like a steer's head above the V on the front hood. They put hand-tooled leather as the seats. Yeah. Um, they put like little shotgun holders on the door panels and uh, a holster for his his six-shooter kind of in the <laughs> center console. And they gave it to the actor, and they drove around as kind of a promotional, promotional thing. thing. Yeah, and we saw that car in the late 80s, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. And then didn't it recently come up for sale uh, a few years ago? Yeah, and at we, auction. Yeah. yeah, and we were kind of picking it apart with the photos online. Mm-hmm. Because it was needed pretty much, uh, not a total restoration, but needed some freshening, I believe, if I recall correctly. It did, yeah. And as I remember, like some of the pieces were falling off, like the steer's head on the front of the hood was kind of like crooked in the picture even. And it's like, well, can't they at least hold that on with a piece of string? Or what they're expecting to get for it. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. you know, I I do remember you talking (laughs) about that. Um, But, I mean, 158 that stands out for me, and this this was at that, that Buick National like 30 years ago, and I remember it, I believe it got trailered there. It was a, I, I don't know if it was a limited, I want to say it was a Roadmaster convertible, but it might've been a limited. I, I remember it being kind of a silver blue metallic. And I just remember that was a, a car that just kind of stuck in my mind as being a, probably one of the best I've ever seen. Yeah. I remember that car too. And yeah. it was, it was awesome. And, yeah. And honestly, it, it's hard to pick out one that's, that's done maybe because I'm kind of picky with the way I like them to look because I know what they should look sure. like. And I try to keep mine in that way. Like, like for example, we saw one online uh, recently mm-hmm. that was that same blue color yeah. and it was a, it's a beautiful color. It's like a blue metallic, mm-hmm. like a light blue. Um, and the outside was gorgeous. The chrome looked great. But then when you look on the inside, completely incorrect interior door yeah. panels weren't right. And there was like big chips on the dashboard. It's yeah. Like, that's what blows me away is why do you spend all the time, making the body look great 
when you don't finish off the rest of the little stuff? Like, what, why, what are these chips on the dashboard? And, and what's this extra switch here? Because there was another switch. I, didn't, I don't know if I called it to your attention or not, but there's some kind of weird switch or lever on there. And I'm hmm. like, what the heck is that? Yeah, yeah. And, and the person kind of covered over the air conditioning vent on the front of the dash. Yeah. It's like, so it was closed up. Why would you do that? Yeah. And the door panels were held on by these buttons that were, oh, yeah. they were like an inch and a half in diameter. And there's like six or eight of them going around the entire door panel holding it on. It looked like a cloud car. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was horrible. And it was perfectly restored, I believe. Yeah. It was the description. Yeah. And the, yeah. Uh, it's like, well, I don't think so. <laughs> Yeah, that's that, that. You know, you can you can see this stuff online, and and uh, Hemmings is always a good place to start because we've seen a lot of these cars on Hemmings, and yeah. they have a lot of pictures and stuff. But it's, it's one car actually that does kind of stick out is is we knew a woman named Ruth who had a, a green limited, and, and hers was pretty much all original mm-hmm. with original air conditioning, yeah. and that's how she got it from her boyfriend, as I remember yeah. it. But but that car always was well taken care of. Yeah. She I don't I, every once in a while I'll see her drive through town, but uh, I haven't seen her for many years. Yeah. Now. Yeah, but it's always nice too. Like, like we said, you know, you might consider the best you've ever seen not to be a fully restored car, but a, a super clean original car that's correct. Yeah. And to me, I that to me that is just worth its weight in gold. Mm-hmm. Or a, a, a sympathetic restoration with maybe some paint touch up here and there, but you know, ninety percent original and being and and I can't underscore this enough being correct, mm-hmm. not you know big buttons on the on the door dash uh, door panels and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and, and there's no per, there's no purpose to that, yeah. right? I mean, why would you put that on there? Why not just do it the right way with the right collect, you know, clips on there? Because some people, maybe they don't um, know enough about the car, and they take it to their interior guy and goes like, well, we can you know, make sure these will stay on, and we'll just put these big yeah, buttons on. And <laughs> maybe. It's head-scratching sometimes. Yeah. It really is. Uh, in general, too, I wanted to touch briefly on uh, other cars, classics in general, Cars that you might think are, are, are a good value for a collector these days. I've always thought, and I, it seems like it's still pretty much holding true. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm no expert on this. And, and if, if the listeners out there have comments, of course, you know, make sure you email us at carguysreport at hotmail.com. I don't track, you know, I'm not like the, I don't get like a Marty report and all that kind of stuff. But I do look at the auction results on Bring a Trailer. I, I glance at uh, Barrett Jackson. I look at uh, Hemmings listings and seeing what they're, the the estimated auction estimates are but i think that cadillacs are underpriced i really do and they're Mm. great cars i mean you're talking about the quality build quality on the 58 buick which is great but cadillacs are 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 darn good cars and i remember we were at the mecham auction last year and there was a uh i think it was a 65 was it the white one with the tuxedo what they call the tuxedo interior which is like a white and black interior Mm -hmm. that was a gorgeous car and i think it only went for like 12 or 15 or something it was nice yeah yeah it was well well made and well yeah. well bought I yeah say. yeah uh, are there any other buicks other than 58s that are you think are are good values right now i mean rivieras the the, the, the mid-60s rivieras are always going to be pretty yeah yeah and those are the most popular right yeah the, those and the gs's yeah right? and the, also in the 60s and then the gnx's later on yeah. in the 80s yeah those are there's those are always popular. I, I I guess and maybe this is not a a, a Buick thing, but I've I've always liked the, the Chrysler products uh, yeah. of the fifties, right? And the DeSotos right now, for example, are catching really high really? values. Yeah, I, I saw one for sale uh, at, at an auction that went for it was like a, a fifty nine convertible, a DeSoto Fireflight, I believe okay. it was. 
and and it was like ninety thousand wow. dollars. I think yeah. they sold it for so so way up there. But those are cool cars. That's yeah. like the forward look. They're nice and strong. They're straight. They have the fins though. And they, they had cool the features like the push button transmissions, yeah. kind of the rectangular steering wheels, very futuristic. And then mm-hmm. didn't they have the the chair that would rotate the drivers yeah. to get out? The driver's uh, seat would actually rotate yeah. 90 degrees to make yeah. it easier kind to of get an ergonomic yeah. thing. Yeah. ingress egress thing yeah. yeah so and i i, I mean up until recently because i i'm seeing a lot more desotos for sale because we even saw that um in iola yeah. when we were there a few years ago yeah. right a black and gold one that yeah. was an awesome one yeah um so I, i'm starting to see a lot more of those but i i up until then it's it's always seemed like the chryslers were undervalued or underappreciated mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and not just the desotos but yeah. the chryslers as well i think one riviera that is probably a fairly good value is would be the redesign of the Riviera when it uh, got redesigned, I think in 68 or 69, because I saw one of those recently at a car show and this was black and it just looked really cool. It almost looks like a Batmobile. Not, I'm not talking about the, the, the boat tail ones that mm. came out in the early 70s, but this is the, the, the one from, I, I think it's like 67 or 68 up to maybe 70 or so, but just a really cool car. And I also think that Oldsmobile, the early Oldsmobile Tornados are cool mm, cars yep. too. You know, one of the first big front wheel drive uh, d- uh, domestic cars, huge engine, 455s, uh, flat floor in front, and just cool features. And one of one of my favorite features on that car is it's got, I guess you'd call it like a drum speedometer. Mm. So it, it, it just rotates in front of you to get up to speed. Oh, like, like the 58 Buick does, right? Well, yours goes along and like a like if you were to take a candy cane and like t- twist it and, and and this one is just a drum and it's got oh, the numbers on it so it. as you're increasing speed it just continues to rotate but yeah. it's cool I, and but the the 58 speedo is cool too because yours is like i said it's kind of like a candy cane where mm-hmm. the orange just continues to to, to move over move to over, the right exactly yeah. yeah yeah but it's it's like a canister inside of the uh, the dashboard yeah. as well that rotates yeah. yeah and that's cool and that's again that's like cool stuff they used to do yeah, back right. then and you know that that's that stuff we just don't see anymore today but mm-hmm. i do think that cadillacs and like you said some of the mopar products are 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 definitely up and coming but still a chance to get in if you find the right car and especially it does you don't always have to buy a convertible i'm a two-door hard top kind of guy so those are usually more pricey but you know, you've been a four-door guy for a long time, and, and you know, nothing beats the four-door hardtop for, for cruising. Yeah. And one of my favorite features on your Limited is it's got rear seat vent windows. Yeah. Which is just so cool. They just look cool, and they're just these tiny little vent windows, and you just pop them open, and yeah. they're on the rear door. It's just so cool. <laughs> yeah, it is cool. And to me, it's also amazing, too, that there's cigarette lighters in the both front and the back. Yeah. So in case your child smokes, yeah. I guess, they're, they're all set in the back. That's because everybody <laughs> smoked in 1958, you know. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> they had to do that. If you like what you're uh, listening to here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, make sure that you uh, search for us uh, anytime you're online, whether you're on your mobile device, your tablet, or your desktop. Just search for Radio Misfits on any of these platforms, Spotify, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, or Apple Podcasts. We're there. And uh, if you find us on any of those platforms, you can always uh, subscribe. You will get a, a push notification when we have new content, which is about once a week. And you'll automatically know that uh, we've got a new episode out. And please rate us, too. Take some time to uh, give us a, a nice rating. We certainly would appreciate it. We've had some of our loyal listeners giving us a nice uh, 
five-star rating on Apple Podcasts so far, and we certainly would appreciate getting more positive ratings and certainly appreciate your support for the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon, along with our special guest today, Bill Kubik. You are listening to the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I just wanted to take a brief minute here to talk about... um, Lou, or go ahead, Bill. Oh, can. I was sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. Talk. I, I, well, I just had some fun facts about the uh, the, the transmissions. We were talking okay, about that yeah, before, sure. but if you wanted to No, no, it. go ahead. Okay. Now, we're just so, talking about Lou's YouTube channel. Okay. That's all. So. <laughs> so we can come back to that uh, that notice. Um, so so essentially, I, I found out, I looked in my book, and I, I confirmed it, that the flight pitch Dynaflow was standard on the Limited and the Roadmaster. Okay. And optional at extra cost on all the other series. Really? Yes. Wow. Um, and then the the flight pitch Dynaflow had a, sh- a slightly different gear shifting pattern, right? Mm-hmm. So typically it's a Prindle thing, yeah. right? Well, the 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 regular Dynaflow was a Pindler, right? <laughs> so it's park, neutral, drive, low, next to reverse. Okay. So that's the 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 regular Dynaflow, and then the flight pitch is a Prindg. <laughs> it's P R N park reverse neutral. Your German is so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well. Uh, so it's park reverse neutral drive and then grade. Great. That's what the G is. Okay, so like is going, that low? No, it's not. And and that was confusing wow. to some people. And it was more of for going down hills. Oh, like more engine braking? Yeah, engine braking. Okay. So if you try to use that as a low, it would kind of screw up your transmission. Okay. And that's why some people actually got rid of that and put in a standard Dynaflow huh. into their cars. Interesting. Yeah. And I always thought, too, we had just talked about this a week or two ago, that having the... Uh, uh, drive next to the reverse would be good if back in the day when you would get stuck mm-hmm. and uh, you'd have to rock your car it would make it easier to yeah just go between cycle reverse between and two, low yeah. and then get out yeah, yeah you're right um so uh uh you could actually get a special with a flight pitch yeah if you wanted to wow yeah that's got to be a rare car <laughs> i don't i don't think i've ever seen that but. yeah that's, <laughs> but i have seen a few manual transmissions yeah and that was a, a three or a four a three speed on the tree a three on the tree yeah correct okay mm-hmm. kind of a standard synchromesh yeah and could was that available the, the the manual only in the special or could you get it again because i was wondering if you could get it on the century I, I think you could i think i've seen examples of that um where there was a century um, kind of along those hot rod lines where someone got a, uh, a manual transmission yeah. in there. Yeah, that's so cool. I've never seen that on a Super or Roadmaster. Yeah, or, yeah. I don't know if they would have put it on the higher-end cars. Yeah. And then this is a, a favorite question of mine. Um, how many squares are on the grill of a 1958 <laughs> Buick Bill? <laughs> so for those that don't know, um, the 58 Buick in the front had 160 pot metal squares, and each square was probably about an inch in, in, in inch square and they took a lot of time this is one of the things i like about it is they put like four beveled surfaces like faceted almost. yeah faceted yeah. like a diamond yeah. so that no matter which way the light would hit the grill it would kind of flash and it would catch the light mm-hmm. and kind of shine and a lot of people actually ask me at car shows well wow, that's not stock is it that can't be right <laughs> and it is because yeah. it's it's that each one kind of stands on its own runner and there's, like I said, 160 of them. Mm-hmm. So it's, there's quite a lot. So a lot of people think it's more of a custom rat rod thing. Yeah. And another thing, too, and this is going back a ways, because I know that on your car you, you had that P3 chrome. But one way you can tell if you find a 50, if, I think any model 58 Buick is on the rear uh, bumper, the uh, fuel fillers in the center and the um, chrome that's uh, the chrome piece on the bumper that surrounds that that goes to both sides of the uh, car 
there was something with the the plating that didn't go right at the factory and they dulled out. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen that across the board, no matter yeah. what the model is, unless it's been re-chromed. Exactly. That's and the only way. That's a way you can tell if it's been re-chromed. But if you find one with that dulled out part, that means it's original. At yeah. least that part is. Correct. And that could actually be a plus. Mm-hmm. And that could be an interesting thing you could do when you're judging. You could <laughs> say like, you know, if you're after originality, I mean... Somebody, if they wanted to do a you know a hundred or thousand point car or whatever it would be, if they restored it, they could actually yeah, they keep could... that unrestored or actually like somehow dull it out <laughs> after getting it. Yeah. Get out the sandpaper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's the kind of thing that I would never know. And I remember years ago, you, you tell me yeah, that. And, right. and you said you've seen it across the line. It's mm-hmm. just so funny. Their supplier, for whatever reason, just... Yeah, it, it was bad, no matter what the plan, yeah. too, because on my Limited, which that's is from amazing. Kansas City, yeah. and the other cars that I had from Flint, it yeah. was exactly the same. Yeah, that's incredible. I did want to take a moment to uh, talk about uh, my car story with Lou. Lou Costable is my uh, regular co-host here on the uh, Car Guys Report, and he's on assignment in Arizona working on more videos for his YouTube channel. If you haven't had a chance, check it out. It's My Car Story with Lou. He's got over 1,300 videos online, and he's got a ton of followers, too. Over 56,000 people follow Lou with his uh, YouTube channel, and definitely some very, very cool cars on there, so make sure you check that out. And um, it's well worth your time. I'd like to uh, thank our special guest today, Bill Kubik. Uh, everything you always wanted to know about 1958 Buicks and maybe a few things you didn't want to know about them. But, uh, <laughs> Bill, it's been a pleasure having you here on the Car Guys Report. Thanks so much for uh, stopping by and chatting with us. Yeah, thanks, Mike. I really enjoyed it. We'd uh, like to say special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with OpiShows.com. Opie is hippo. Spelled backwards, O-P-P-I-H, shows.com. It's distributed by Ed Silha on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. That's all part of radiomisfits.com. The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? Be sure to tune in to Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. Our podcast highlights the best soccer league in the world. The English Premier League. We recap the previous week's games. And preview the upcoming games. I do it from an American point of view. And I do it as an authentic Brit. Accent and all. That's authentic. Right, Governor? Not exactly how I say it. (laughs) We also talk about the local soccer scene because Adam is the Illinois Youth Director of Coaching. If you love soccer. Football. Football. Tune in to Free Kicks. New episodes drop weekly on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, it's unbelievable power from a turbo four-cylinder courtesy of Mercedes-AMG, plus a steal of a price for a Callaway Corvette. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, and Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.